The following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9, 10, 30, or 12 in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. So at this time of year, my wife, Rebecca, and I have a list of Christmas movies. There's just certain ones that we have to see every year. So we just got to like check them off our list. It's just part of our rhythm. So uh, maybe some of these are on your Christmas movie list. Um, one of the ones we have to see at least a part of at some point is A Christmas Story. Any other fans of A Christmas Story out there? Anybody? Okay, I've got I've to see Ralphie, okay, in like the, the pink bunny suit, okay, or him with his BB gun. Like I've just, I've got to get a little bit of A Christmas Story in. Um, another one of our movies that we just have to see is the movie Elf. I don't know if anyone's seen the movie Elf. Several of you have seen Elf. Um, that is another movie. We just, we just got to see a little bit of that movie um, each Christmas. And actually, um, those being um, two of our favorite Christmas movies, there's, here's a little Christmas movie trivia for you. Um, the actor that played Ralphie, when he grew up, played the head elf in the movie Elf, which the first time that I learned that blew my mind. Here, check out this picture of uh, Peter Billingsley... I mean, your whole Christmas has changed now, right? Like, there's some of you that are going to walk out of here today like, here's the one thing I learned. Okay, Ralphie was in the movie Elf. Okay, anyway, those are two critical movies we've got to see. Also, um, the movie Home Alone. Like, I've got to see Home Alone. It doesn't feel like Christmas to me if I don't see someone get hit in the face with a paint can. Okay, it's just... That just, uh, you know, says, says Christmas to me. So we've just got to see some Home Alone. Like there's these movies that I've got to see every Christmas. And there's something about that genre of movie, Christmas movies. There's something about that, that they're all the same. All Christmas movies, at least everyone that I've ever seen, they all have a happy ending. There's no Christmas movie that at the end I'm like, man, I'm just depressed, man. Like, I don't feel jolly at all, okay? Like, there's no Christmas movie like that. They all have a a happy ending. They all kind of come together. Everything is restored. Everything is reconciled. It's like this nice little bow on top at the end of the movie. And uh, I think that speaks to some of the expectations that we have at this time of year. There's something about this time of year that we just... We expect it to be the most wonderful time of the year. We expect it to be the happiest season of all. We expect everything to just to have a happy ending at this time of year. But there's something that gets in the way of that, and, and maybe you're acquainted with it. Reality. Just there's something about life that we have so much heavy expectations we carry into the Christmas time. And the reality is there are parts of our life that are not happy. And so that really leaves us at a crossroads with what do we do with Christmas and what do we expect out of Christmas. And so, so often what we do is we use the Christmas season as an escape. So we kind of, because there's stressful things, there's difficult things, there's things that cause anxiety, there's things that are not going the way that we want them to go, because of that, we use the Christmas festivities to escape. You know, we escape into the Christmas foods, the Christmas cookies, We escape into the Christmas movies. We escape into the Christmas parties. We escape into the Christmas gift giving. And it provides an escape or a distraction. But come January, 
Reality's waiting for us still. And so here's the question. I mean, what if there's something so much more that Christmas can do than just provide a festive, jolly little escape and distraction? What if there's more Christmas delivers? Like not just on a theoretical level, like on a literal life-changing level. I think there is, and I think the scripture reveals what that is. I think the Bible talks about that. We're in this season in the series called Finding the Perfect Christmas. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 11. So if you have a Bible or Bible app, open to Isaiah 11. If you have a, a physical Bible and you don't know where Isaiah 11 is, you can look in the concordance in the beginning. But check out Isaiah chapter 11. And as you're turning there, I want to just give you the background. We started in Isaiah 11 just this last uh, week. And the context that Isaiah the prophet is speaking into, the context he's speaking into, it's a very, very bleak time for God's people. Their king is probably the worst king that they've ever had. He is very wicked. He has led them away from God. And at this time and period, what makes it especially bleak is their enemies are all coming against them. They're closing in on them. And then their wicked king turned to help. He actually put his hope in the Assyrians, which turn out to be even worse enemies. And so instead of helping them, they oppress them. And so they're just surrounded by oppression. They've got a wicked king. It just seems bleak and hopeless. And in the midst of that, they get really, really good news, a promise that another king will come. A perfect king will rise up. I mean, the way they describe this king, they say things like this. It says, and we looked at this last week, it says that this king will always miraculously be able to discern what is right. He'll always know what's right. That's incredible. More than that, he'll actually have the power to do it. Because it's one thing to know it's right. It's another thing to actually have the power to accomplish it. But more than that, he'll also have the conviction and will to do it. Because there's a lot of people who know it's right and have the power to do it, but they just don't. But not this king. He's the perfect king. He knows what's right. He has the power to do it, and he will do it. They're describing with hope that there will be a perfect king that will rise up. But there's more that Isaiah promises about this perfect king. Let's look at Isaiah. We're in chapter 11, we're going to pick it up in verse 3. Look what he says. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked." Powerful words here. Let's just break this apart. There's some key themes that I want you to see that it says about this king. It talks about how he will judge. That word judge is a key word in this, in this text. He will judge. What is a judge responsible for? A judge is responsible to make sure that justice is upheld. This king will make sure justice reigns in the kingdom he's responsible for. And how he judges is very specific. Listen to what it says. And it's, it's really, it's beautiful. He says, he will judge not by what his eyes see and his ears hear, but with righteousness. In other words, he can see 
what's underneath the details on the surface that everyone else can see. He can discern underneath what is righteous, what is actually right. That's what you want in a judge, right? A judge can sift through the details and can discern underneath all of that what is actually right. This king will be perfect in his judgment and will be able to discern what is right. Now, what does he do with that judgment? This is key. He uses that judgment to protect the poor. That's something you want in a judge. It's one thing to be able to see what's right, but that judge could use it only for the powerful because that's in his best interest. But you want a judge and what you want in a ruler and a king is someone who protects those who cannot protect themselves. To be a voice for those who, are, who have no voice. You want a ruler and a king who is protecting the powerless in their midst. And so that's what he will do. He is a king that protects the poor and the meek with his perfect judgment. But more than that, it goes on and it says, he will actually also hold the wicked accountable. This king will make sure that the wicked do not get away with it. This king makes sure the bad guy doesn't win. This king holds the wicked accountable and it's specific in what it says and he uses this imagery. He says he will strike down the wicked with a rod. That word strike and that word rod, those are are um, images common in the Old Testament referring to judgment. He will bring the right, just judgment on the wicked. I mean, just think about this for a second. Man, that is like the perfect ruler, the perfect judge, right? Discerns with righteousness, protects the, the weak and the powerless, holds accountable the wicked, those who are crooked, those who are corrupt, he holds accountable. He doesn't overlook it. That's what you want in a ruler. It's describing the perfect king. Now, who is this, this king that we're reading about? Like, why are we reading about this king at Christmas time? And who is it? Who, who was raised up to be that perfect king? Well, this is not the only place that Isaiah talks about this promised king. In fact, just two chapters earlier, let me just read you one verse and these words may be familiar because you're probably, you've probably heard it sung at this time of year. This is Isaiah 9 verse 6. Listen to this. Talking about that king. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. Who is this king? Well, it's, this king is the whole reason we celebrate at Christmas time. It's a Christmas king. It's Jesus, born in Bethlehem so many thousand years ago. Why we celebrate is because it is the arrival of the perfect king. And what does it say in Isaiah 9 that he is? This perfect king, he's the wonderful counselor. He is Almighty God, it's God in the flesh, everlasting Father. It's the eternal one here in the flesh, and he is the Prince of Peace. His rule and reign establishes justice in his kingdom. What did Jesus come to do? He lives a perfect life. He gets crucified on the cross to pay for our sins, to pay our punishment. Rose again from the dead. 
and then ascends to heaven and is seated on the throne. Who is this king? It's not just like a theoretical king, a metaphorical king. It is an actual king. Jesus has a kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. Not meaning a less real kingdom, meaning a transcendent kingdom. A kingdom that is above all the other kingdoms. In fact, all of the other kingdoms of this world, they fall under the rule and reign of the kingdom of Jesus. Your Jesus actually sits on the throne as the king. That's who came at Christmas time. That's why we celebrate. We celebrate the arrival of the perfect king who will establish justice. And the way he establishes justice is unbelievable. He promises to uphold justice and he accomplished that by absorbing injustice on himself. He lives a perfect life, a life that none of us can live, and then dies a criminal's death to take, the, take our punishment on himself. To establish justice, he absorbs injustice. That's what kind of king we have. How does this work? Well, uh, just last night, I was putting my son to bed. Uh, he's four, and uh, I'm there by his bed, and, and we're, we're praying, and he says a prayer, and then I say a prayer, and uh, Rebecca and I are always trying to th- figure out how we can um, help each of them by their personality connect with, with Jesus and really fall in love with Jesus. So for my son, I talk a lot about Jesus' power and that he, he always wins, he's a victor, and talk about how uh, he is he's strong and he protects us and, and that he, he loves us. And one of the things that Rebecca and I say to our kids all the time is, who's the only person that loves you more than mommy and daddy? And they know the answer. It's Jesus. And so we talk about these attributes. So when we're done praying, uh, my, my son, Nehemiah, he says, Jesus, Jesus loves us. Right, daddy? I'm like, yeah. And he says, and he doesn't love the bad guys. I said, well... <laughs> that's good <laughs> I said actually buddy he does love the bad guys and I said he actually tells us that we should love the bad guys and I said in, in fact um, without Jesus we're bad guys so I see his like, little four year old brain kind of working this in he says you mean before we knew Jesus we were bad guys and I'm thinking yes buddy and we both know about your checkered past before you knew Jesus. I mean, you've got quite a story, okay? These, these four years have been real roller coaster, man. I'm just glad God pulled you out, okay? And so, so I'm like, okay, let's try this again. All right, I don't know, that didn't work. All right, so then I'm like, uh, well, look, buddy, the only reason we're good guys is because of Jesus, and that's the, that's the story. The reality is we're all bad guys. We're, we're rebels against God the Father. And he comes to absorb what would be just for us as the punishment of God. He absorbs that on himself. And he adopts us into his family. That's what the king of, that upholds justice does. He actually reigns. And will uphold justice. Okay, one more verse I want you to see, and we're going to pause for the day. Verse 5. It says this. It says, righteousness is talking about this king. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. It's describing his clothes. 
And there's an important phrase in here, and it's all throughout the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament. It's the phrase, gird up your loins. And to understand the significance of that, you've got to understand the clothes that they used to wear. You know, they're, they're not wearing Levi's back in the day, right? They're wearing a long cloak that goes down to their, their feet. And so if you're going to do anything active, you've got to literally gird up your loins. You've got to pick up the cloak at the bottom and, and tie it up so that your legs are free to move. And so that phrase, gird up your loins, was a, was a phrase that meant get ready for action. So whether you're going to do some manual labor or even like go into battle, that's what that phrase is talking about. So it's like literally the equivalent, that phrase is the equivalent of our modern phrase, roll up your sleeves. You know, you, you might roll up your sleeves to get ready to go to work. You might roll up your sleeves to get ready for a fight. You, you roll up your sleeves to get ready for action. What this is saying when it's saying his clothes, his belt, it's not just like what he put on that day. This is talking about the clothes he wears to get ready for action. And specifically, what kind of action. The previous verse talks about how he strikes down the wicked with a rod of his judgment. This is the clothes he wears to get ready for battle. This is his armor. And it's emblazoned with something. He says, what is his armor? It says his armor is righteousness. There's that word again, said multiple times. Righteousness and faithfulness. And this word faithfulness here means like steadfastness. It's sometimes also translated as truth. So I want you to imagine his, the armor that he wears is marked with an insignia, with a crest, is marked with the insignia of righteousness and truth. It marks his reign. Now, let me just illustrate this with um, something recently happening in South Florida. So over the last several years, we have a South Florida, we are getting a new professional soccer team into Miami. Very excited about this. Thank you, one other fan in here. Awesome. Okay, and um, so over the last several years, they've been working on their branding. You know, they've got to have a brand for this brand new team. And that's been of particular interest to me to watch this for a couple reasons. First of all, they, uh, I'm a big soccer fan, and second of all, um, I've been very curious as their thought process because as many of you know, over the last few years, we have been preparing to rename our church and rebrand our church, especially as we're feeling called to do multi-site. So if uh, one day, you know, we were to plant a campus, let's say in East Pines, that gets really complicated if you want to invite your friends, hey, come to West Pines, East Pines campus, okay? Like, that's, like, confusing. So for the last several years, we've been just praying and thinking and, and hiring in help and getting input on, okay, what does this look like through that process? And so watching how they've done that has been really interesting. So, um, for example, I want to show you this brand. Just check out the, the Inter-Miami uh, brand for a second. Um, check this out. So you see in the middle are these great white herons. And they are known, they're not only native to Miami, kind of a symbol of South Florida, but if you've ever watched them down by the lake, the way they hunt, man, they just go with, with their necks like this. And then when they see like a fish, you just see them coil back and then bam, they just, they strike like lightning. They're one of the fastest striking birds you can find. And so they liked those birds, not only as a symbol of South Florida, but they liked how they, they had a strict, a, a quick, very strategic, precise strike, which kind of symbolizes what they want in there out of a soccer club. You'll also look the way their legs come together at the bottom. 
It's in the shape of an M. And so that represents Miami. You'll also see the color palette. They're very specific in the color palette. They wanted something that was tropical, that communicated South Florida. Like if you've ever seen a South Florida sunrise on the beach, it's just lit up with all these pastel colors. And so they wanted to pick the color pink. It's also a nod to our heritage of the, the Art Deco design. And so they wanted something that very, com very much communicated South Florida and Miami. Why? Because everyone who has wears this insignia, whether a fan or a member of the, the team or a part of the organization, if they have that marker, they are associated with that team. The insignia of this perfect king, what's emblazoned on his armor, like the royal crest, is righteousness and truth. It is like the hallmark associated with his reign. Now, why, why do we look at a, a text like this that's about, you know, this, this perfect king? I mean, why, why do we look at how this is described? Why do we look at this at a time of Christmas? Well, what does that do for us at, at a Christmas time uh, like this? You know, look at things like he's a judge and he's righteous and truth and he strikes down with the, with the rod of iron. He, he, we look at these descriptions. Well, what does that mean for us in this season? Well, so often at Christmas, what we're looking for is a happy ending. We're looking for a happy ending, and it's what we're expecting, it's what we're wanting, and yet there's a lot in our lives that so often don't look like they've got the pieces for a happy ending. And so what does this text mean? I mean, we, we've got to We've got to decide what we think about Christmas. You know, there's this one moment in the movie Home Alone where the mom who's trying desperately to get back to her eight-year-old son, Kevin, who's home all by himself, has been flying through all these airports like all around the country. And she finally gets this one airport and there's this uh, poor guy who works for the uh, airline. He's got no tickets and she's mad, okay? And she kind of just, she just gets so mad, she kind of blows up at the poor guy, and she says, how can you have no tickets? She says, this is a season of perpetual hope. Like, you're telling me that, like, I'm not going to get back to my son? Not in this season. Christmas is associated with hope. You know what it is when we're expecting a happy ending? Hope. So here's what we can use Christmas for. We can use Christmas as a distraction and an escape from reality. Or we can be reminded of the hope that we have in the midst of our reality. Do you know where your hope is found? That king born in that stable. He does reign and he promises justice. Can I give you a few things to walk out of here with today? Here's the first one. You can have an assurance of hope. Be assured of the hope that you have. I don't know the circumstances in your life right now. Maybe in your life it looks like the bad guy is winning. And you say, God, how is this justice? Maybe you say, look, it's, it's that ex-spouse. And they just... The way they treat me and they treat our kids and they're getting away with it. Like, I don't know God. Like, how is he or she getting away with this? 
Why is the bad guy winning? Why, is it, why can that family member treat me so poorly and are never held accountable? Why is it that coworker or that, that rival or that boss or that supervisor just make my life miserable and it seems like they're just getting away with it? Why is the bad guy winning? I have no justice. You have hope of justice because your king is the one that will hold the wicked responsible. He will strike down the wicked with the rod of his judgment. Maybe it's not the bad guy winning. Maybe it's bad circumstances. And you say, God, I just look at these broken pieces in my life. I just, this does not look like it's going to turn out for a happy ending. I just don't know what to do with the circumstances I find myself in this Christmas but you know the one who holds your circumstances and he promises, I will work all things together for good for those who are called according to my purposes. He will work it together for a happy ending. You can be assured that this will have a happy ending. It may not be your ending. It may not be in your timing, but it will be better because he perfectly upholds justice. He is a king that ensures happy endings in his kingdom. It will have a happy ending. You can have assurance of hope, but here's the other thing that we can walk out of this text with, that we're called to be ambassadors of hope. You know, this text, Isaiah 11, is the foundation text for Another verse in the New Testament. Can I just read this to you? It's in Ephesians 6. Tell me if there's any familiar words in here. Ephesians 6 verse 13. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, watch this, having fastened on the belt of what? The belt of truth. And having put on the breastplate of what? Of righteousness. Christian, do you realize what this passage is saying? It's saying that God himself has brought you, who he's adopted into his royal family, he's brought you into the royal armory, and he's shown you the armor that he wears with the insignia of his reign, with the crest of his rule emblazoned on it, and he has honored you by dressing you in his armor representing his kingdom. That means in every sphere you go into, into your workplace, into your friend group, into your family, into your neighborhood, you walk in with his seal, his insignia of truth and righteousness and faithfulness. You are walking into that sphere to uphold the justice of his reign. You are ambassadors of his kingdom. And what, what kind of justice does he bring? He holds the wicked accountable and, he, and he's a voice for the voiceless. He, he, he brings happy endings to the powerless. And so Christian, watch this week for your opportunity to not only trust that he will bring a happy ending into your life, but to be the instrument of bringing a happy ending into someone else's life. He wants to do that through you. Your king has made you his ambassador. What opportunities is your king going to bring you this week? An opportunity to express kindness to someone? Generosity to someone? Forgiveness to someone? Love to someone? Help to someone? Answers to someone? Dignity to someone? The opportunity to include someone in? 
the opportunity to pray. Maybe you stop and you, maybe you dig in and pray for someone. Man, certainly this is the week to invite someone to hear the hope for their soul at Christmas time. You are ambassadors of her, for his kingdom in this city. You know, we want to just uh, take a moment in this, this service and we wanted to share a story with you that puts like a real genuine encounter with these two truths. Being assured of hope when the circumstances look hopeless and the call to be an ambassador of hope to those around us. I want to share with you a story that surfaced last year, last Christmas at one of our Christmas services. And, and maybe that'll be an encouragement to you. I want you to check out Cassandra's story. Check out the story. I definitely had a more tumultuous walk. Um, I was gone, so far gone the other way that there's no doubt in my mind that the prayer, the, the, the never unceasing prayer of my family and my friends and my parents um, kind of got me back on the right track. My parents' prayer for me is what turned my life around. So Eddie, our youth pastor, decided let's all go ATVing. He had invited uh, us. I don't know why my brother couldn't go. I know I couldn't go because of work. Um, but there was maybe six or seven of the youth that went. It was just a day trip and it started to get cloudy and he starts to gather everyone. And in that instant, that's when um, he was struck by lightning. I remember getting home from work and being home, my parents were not home, and they called me because they didn't want me to hear it from anybody else. And I just remember them giving us the news. Our youth pastor passed away, and I just collapsed. I mean, it's kind of hard to understand that loss. I had a hard time with that loss. My dad definitely had a hard time with that loss, but I think my brother took it the hardest. I don't think we really had in-depth conversations about where he was in his faith until after it happened. And then he's just like, no. He just didn't understand how a God that existed could do this to somebody that we loved and cared for so much and somebody that was so faithful in his walk with God as well. So my brother moved to Augusta, Georgia for a job. Um, he's in engineering. When it came to Christmas time and I knew he was gonna be coming, I remember getting to church that Monday afternoon and I told the band, hey, my brother's coming. Um, I, I know we, we're gonna be in prayer for a lot of people's hearts to be just turned over to God today, but in a special way, can we pray for my brother? And they did, they rallied around and, and we prayed and it was just awesome. I was like crying. I remember going out there and um, this is towards the end of the service now. I remember going out there and I'm looking to for, for my brother where my family is and I look and he's not there and I just felt so deflated. I'm like, man, all of that anticipation and prayer and he's not here. So I look to the back and there he was in the last seat in the back corner by the door and I'm like, oh good, he's here. I, I kind of uh, felt excited again and Roby, did his altar call and I just like closing my eyes with my eye open a little bit and I look and I see him just kind of putting his hand behind his neck and I'm like is he is he not and I see him raise it and I just like started crying I finished the last note and I ran to the back and took off my uh, my pack and I ran I mean I ran people thought I was crazy but I think that's the moment my parents realized what had 
happen. It was just such a beautiful moment for us to all be there um, when he made that decision and took that step and for us all to be able to just celebrate probably the best Christmas ever. Because it's been so long and we've been praying, I feel like God's always going to use this and, and, and he's using it right now. And so even though we don't understand why it took 10 years, why we had to pray and, 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 and cry and, and kind of try to understand why this has taken so long, now God's saying, here's why. We're going to use this story and hopefully um, shorten some of the prayers of others. <laughs> We want to share with you that story because many of us have certain circumstances in our life that are similar to what Cassandra and, and her brother Manny walked through. In their case, it was a beloved youth pastor that just got struck by lightning. Can you imagine? And it just rocked their faith. And Manny walked away for about 10 years. How could a God allow this to happen? I mean, if Jesus is on the throne, how can this happen? But after these years of Cassandra and her parents praying for Manny, he comes back around. Of course, not all the, answer, the questions are answered. But he comes back around to resting in the fact that there is one who promises to bring about a happy ending. And can I just encourage you today? Maybe you're one of those who've said, look, I can't. You tell me Jesus is on the throne. How has he allowed these things that I've seen and witnessed and been in my life? Can I say no one, no one on earth could answer those questions? But here's what we can say. He takes the broken pieces of this fallen world and he brings them together and and he reconciles them and, and, and he makes them into a happy ending. You know, like all the things we long for at Christmas time, it actually happens through the Christmas King. And he brings all these pieces together. Can I just encourage you to dare to hope this season in the broken pieces in your life? I mean, what are you putting your hope in? Are you putting your hope in yourself? Well, I know that things are, are difficult right now, but you know, my, my experience or my education or my gifting, that, that'll get me through. I mean, I've, I've found my way through difficult things before. I mean, you're putting your hope in yourself. Or you know, well, if just this and this and this could happen, then, then everything will be okay. Well, I've got this person in a relationship with them, so that's gonna make it okay. Are you putting your hope in, your, in yourself or a person or in circumstances? Please just put it into the one who is on the throne. Put your hope in just Jesus. But some of you are feeling the, the weight in this season of your calling of being an ambassador for hope. There's people that you're praying for. There's people that you're like, man, I don't know if I'm going to invite them again. I mean, that, that never really seems like they, they respond. Don't give up hope. Keep praying and have hope that he's going to work through you. He's made you his ambassador for hope. He, he put that crest, that insignia on you for a reason. Have hope that he is going to work through you. Have hope. We can have assurance of hope. We can be ambassadors of hope. But you know, let me just close with this last thing here because there's one more thing. We await the fullness of hope. You know, there's one more scripture here in Revelation that is really the, the found, that Isaiah is the foundation of. It's Revelation 19, verse 11. I want you to hear these words and hear 
how, they go, how they're pulled straight from Isaiah 11. Look what it says, Revelation 19. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and the one sitting on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses, and from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty and on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Christian, do you know this right here that we just read? Any moment the skies open up And the King, King Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who does reign over all, will come back to earth, and He will establish His reign permanently, and He will bring that happy ending. He will be the victorious one. That is who your King is. We know the ending. There may be questions we have all our lives, but in the end, we know who the victor is. He will establish his reign of justice. He will make all things right. He'll make all things new. He will bring justice. Put your hope in him. Some of you today need to take a step for the first time. And don't put your hope in the other things that you're putting your hope in. Put your hope just in Jesus. Find salvation for the first time. Find a king. Find a Lord, a savior who died for you so that you could be forgiven. Find your hope today. You know, he brings hope to your past. All of the the, the sin in our past, he forgives. The broken pieces, he reworks together. All the, the ashes, he turns into beauty. He gives us hope for our past. He gives us hope for our present He works all these pieces together that we can't understand. He will work a happy ending. And he's a hope for a future one day when we're facing our last breath. It's just the beginning because he defeated death itself. He is our hope. He is alive. He reigns. He's our living hope. Put your hope in Jesus today. That's why we're celebrating a Christmas king who is our hope. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Would everyone just take a moment and just bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're watching online, would you just take a moment and bow your head? Close your eyes. Can we just take a quiet moment before God? Is today your day? That you stop running and you dare to put your hope in Jesus. Would you just take a moment just silently between you and God? Is today your day to put your hope in Jesus? Like here's what I want to ask you to do. With no one looking around, everyone's head is bowed, eyes are closed. If today you want to put your hope in Jesus, I want you to do what, what Manny did that one day. And with no one looking around, if you're saying today's the day, I'm putting my hope in Jesus, just slip your hand in the air. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Anybody else today saying today's the day, I need to put my hope in Jesus. Praise God. If that's you, let me just lead you in this prayer. Amen. You can put your hands down. Let's just in this moment, if that's you, just pray the simple prayer between you and God. Just silently say to him, Jesus, you are my hope. 
I make you my king. I make you my Lord and Savior. I know I'll have heaven when I die because you saved me. I will follow after you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call at 954-432-0321 or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.